This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. But off the top in this hour, I want to uh, look at the question of uh, child brides and forced marriage and, and kind of the overlap of the two, which certainly, as you would imagine, is, is very concerning. Now, is it the kind of thing that happens here in Canada? And if so, what can we do about it? Well, our next guest is trying to raise awareness about these problems and says it does go on in Canada probably more than we realize. And she's got her own experience to share, being forced into an arranged marriage at just the age of 16, uh, managing to get out of that after 10 years trapped in this uh, abusive relationship. Uh, Samra Zafar uh, is a activist, author, speaker, as mentioned, a former teenage bride herself. Uh, you can read more at her website, samrazafar.com. Samra, so great to have you with us here today. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Well, obviously, your, your story is uh, quite harrowing and, and something Canadians should, should know about and hear about. But what, why do you feel it's important, though, to speak out about what you went through and speak out about these issues? I think, uh, in my mind, it's really important. And the reason I... Um, started to speak out about it because I truly believe that this story is not just mine. It's the story of a lot of women and girls around the world who face these issues, who face the misogyny, the patriarchal value systems, forced marriages, domestic violence, whatever, uh, you know, uh, injustices are, are, are committed around women in the name of culture, in the name of any other norms. And it, it is, it, the change is only going to happen if, uh, you know, these issues are brought out for, from under the rug and dialogue is initiated and conversations are initiated. And I hope that's what my purpose is for talking and sharing my story is to really start having those conversations and start shedding light on some of these issues. Yeah. In terms of the extent of it in Canada, I mean, this is a country where legally one must be 18 to get marriage, married. We don't think that this is the kind of thing that goes on here, but is it more prevalent than maybe we think? It absolutely is, and you'd be surprised that actually in Canada, it is possible to get married at 16 with parental consent. So when you're talking about parental consent, what does that really look like? You know, as a child, as a 16-year-old child, if you're conditioned to believe that marriage is the sole purpose of your life and, uh, you know, it's the ultimate accomplishment as a girl, how are you going to say no, right? It, it's what does consent even look like at that point? So... Um, you know, it is actually quite prevalent. I, uh, in my speaking work, I'm often approached by people, especially when I'm speaking at high schools or middle schools, uh, and teachers would say to me that, you know, there are girls here in schools that are being taken back home at the age of um, 16, 17, 18, and they never return because they get married there. Yeah. Uh, so it's absolutely uh, something that is uh, and should be of concern. Well, let's talk about your own story. So you were 16 then, and you were told, basically, that you were going to be sent to Canada to marry uh, a man who was, uh, I believe, 12 years older. That's right. And you had That's no right. say in this. I didn't. In fact, um, I mean, you know, no one put a gun to my head, but it was absolutely forced because I was a child. I didn't know any better. Uh, and it was, you know, a lot of people think, and ask me, like, you know, um, why do you think this happened or why was it forced and uh, for what reason? The re- like, it, it's, it's not forced as in, you know, oh, I'm, you know, my parents were cruel to me and they wanted me to, you know, suffer or anything. It's more because it's just 
the expected norm. I was a very ambitious child. I wanted to go to school. I wanted to go to university abroad and, and you know, get a, get a stellar world-class education. And my parents, uh, you know, thought that it's not possible for us to be able to send a girl by herself uh, without any uh, supervision or any, you know, uh, like just being unmarried. And when this proposal came along and his parents were uh, promising my parents that, yeah, we'll send her to university there. So my parents really thought it was a win-win and they were pretty much, you know, again, a victim of the cultural um, norms and surroundings that they thought that this was the best thing for me. Um, and in terms of the force, it's, it's just the pressure that's created around that this is the right thing to do. You should be very happy about it. Uh, you're lucky as you're the luckiest girl among all of us that you're getting married the soonest. So as a child, how would you say no to that? And how how would you speak up when everybody around you is telling you this is absolutely the best thing that could happen to you? And so they genuinely believe that this was for your own good. Yeah, absolutely, they did. But what was the reality uh, like? Though? In a very, in a very <laughs> naive and, uh, you know, sure. um, sort of, uh, I guess, incomprehensible way, yeah, they did. Uh, the reality was far from it. Uh, when I did come here, my education was put to a stop right away because it was not normal and appropriate for, um, you know, an, an, a married woman now or a mother to go to high school or to go to proper school and get an education. I should stay at home. My ultimate job is to serve my husband and his family, and I should be the good wife and a good mother. And in fact, I I should consider myself lucky that I didn't get to go through all that education crap and just got to the real purpose of being a woman sooner rather than later. So uh, all my dreams were, were put to a stop as, you know, that they are just invalid and, uh, and, the, the fact that I even want to do that is is somehow abnormal, and then and then that led to a lot of the abuse as well. First, initially it was emotional and and uh, verbal, which and then over the years it became physical as well, uh, which is which is really um, you know the entire sort of marriage was like that. Well, and and the person you were married to. I mean, he was brought up, I guess, to think the same way, that this is how it works, that uh, you belong to him, essentially. This wasn't a, a relationship built on, on love or trust or, or any of those kinds of oh, ideas. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's, there's, uh, there's this, you know, ingrained patriarchy uh, that, and, and misogyny that uh, says you know, the man is the leader, uh, the woman is, is the property or the follower, and she needs to fit into this certain box of criteria in order to be accepted and respected uh, for, uh, you know, otherwise she's just abnormal. And when I used to say things like, I want to go to school or I want to have a career, I was often shut down because like, don't be silly, you know, you're a married woman now, like these kinds of things are not appropriate for you to say, Uh, you should be happy where you are, you're, you know, you're being, you're being fed and clothed and, and all sorts of things. So I often thought that, you know, um, I'm crazy for, for thinking this way and maybe I need to somehow fix myself or, um, you know, uh, just do something differently in order to stop being treated that way. You eventually got out of it. It was, uh, I believe, 10 years you, you were trapped in that, that, that marriage, but you, you kept those dreams alive. As I understand, you secretly saved money so that you could uh, get yourself an education. Yes, uh, and that, I think, was my savior because I was not willing to give up on my right to an education. 
that was something that was just, you know, to me, it was like, if I give it up, if I give up on it, then no one else is going to fight for me. And I need to keep fighting, keep hoping that maybe one day it will happen. So what I started doing was, was doing all my high school courses through distance learning when I could, was not allowed to go to school. And then I saved money as a, I, I wasn't allowed to go to work um, outside and I couldn't get OSAP because his income was too high and, and, and OSAP, OSAP is the student uh, funding for, for students in Ontario. And um, I couldn't get government support because his income was too high and they look at household income. So at that time I knew I had to pay for it myself, but I wasn't getting a penny from him. So I started working as a babysitter and tutor at home. Uh, started saving every penny that I could uh, while supplementing the household income as well. And it took me another sort of couple of years to save enough for my first year tuition. Uh, so I, that whole journey was 10 years. And when I was 26, um, and I had two daughters by then, and that's when I started university finally. How much impact did that have, though, having children and having daughters and, and thinking about the kind of life you wanted for them? Oh, it was it was the uh, biggest motivating factor for me. Uh, I did when I was going in when I was in university. Uh, I started going for counseling there, and that's where I learned uh, that what was happening to me was abuse. Before that, I didn't even know what to call it, and that's when I learned that this is not okay, and I deserve better. And I'm not crazy for thinking that I deserve better. Uh, and I started speaking up at home and challenging the behavior, which just made it worse because. Uh, the individual thought that he was losing control. Right. So, um, you know, at that point, I also learned that there's a generational cycle to abuse, and often children who grow up watching abuse in their families grow up to either tolerate abuse or be abusers themselves. So I knew that I had to get my daughters out of that environment. Uh, if not for me, I had to do it for my daughters. So that's eventually what prompted me and motivated me to... Uh, to leave the marriage, um, and after which I moved to um, U of T campus housing. I was working five jobs, raising my kids full-time school, uh-huh. and achieved uh, more success than I could ever have imagined. Graduated at the top of the entire university, won a lot of major scholarships and awards, and um, and started off on this journey of raising awareness because I felt that every woman out there needs to know that she has the strength and power to create life that she wants and deserves and a lot of women stay because they feel they have no choice or options or you know it's a big bad world out there but uh you know it's there's it's not it's actually there there are definitely bad people but i wouldn't be where i am if i didn't have the support of some wonderful wonderful people in my life yeah that's right Uh, once you started speaking out about this publicly and raising awareness about this have have you heard from a lot of women who who've gone through the, the almost the exact same thing as you Thousands, thousands, and I've been doing this for about four or five years now, and every day I receive tons of messages on my Facebook page or through my website or through Twitter, uh, you know, women who are reaching out, who would read my story, who would read an article about me or who would watch one of my videos or, uh, you know, hear about me from somewhere, and they would uh, say, I'm going through the same thing. Thank you for speaking out. Uh, One woman wrote to me that... She, um, you know, she was about to kill herself and she came across my video. And in my video, I I say this key sentence that uh, it's not your fault. And this is the first time anyone ever said that to her. 
and that's what snapped her out of it. Um, so, you know, I receive heartwarming messages, and that's what keeps me going, to be honest. You know, it's it's really about that. It's about changing lives. It's about showing women the epiphany of their own power. Uh, and uh, and a lot of men are impacted, too. In fact, uh, a man from Pakistan um, wrote to me a few weeks ago and said that uh, I decided to turn down a marriage proposal for my 18-year-old daughter and send her to university instead after reading your article. Right. And I, that, I feel, was like my biggest award. No kidding. Well, as you say, I mean, this kind of work is certainly making a difference, but what, what more can we do? You know, there's uh, often people feel that, you know, what can we do as individuals? And there's really a lot, you know. First of all, even just starting ha- starting to have these conversations and thinking about, along those lines and taking the taboo out of these issues so that it's easier for victims and easier for survivors to be able to speak up. You know, when I started speaking up, a lot of, you know, people around me were like, oh, my God, you know, even still today, I get hate messages all the time that, oh, you're so shameful for, uh, for uh, you know, speaking out about this. And, you know, how, how can you talk about this so openly? And this is like, it should be kept behind family doors. You don't air your dirty laundry in public, etc. Um, so, uh, but, you know, as a matter of fact, like, it, that's the exactly the kind of, uh, thinking that propagates the silence and abuse thrives in silence you know these kinds of things the silence is is the biggest ally so uh when i started to speak up and you know that that made a huge change so first of all speaking up second of all offering support so you know it's so the the biggest thing that you can do for a survivor or for a woman who's trying to leave or uh, trying to change her life is offer comfort and offer support and motivation. And uh, that human connection is essential to healing and succeeding from trauma. And, uh, you know, it's there's tons of research about that, and I strongly believe in that. I truly believe that I would not be where I am today if it was not for the support and the incredible mentoring and everything that I received from people in my life who really championed me and, and you know, propelled me up to where I am today. So. Uh, that is essential, and it comes from just people, just normal people like us. And it, you know, doesn't you don't have to be a therapist or a counselor in, all, in order to provide just connection and support to somebody. Um, and uh, you know, I think you know, if if we do those two things, breaking the silence and offering support to each other, we can really do wonderful things. Indeed, you know, you mentioned earlier too. This it's almost a loophole that exists in, in Canadian law, where if the parents believe it should happen or want it to happen, yeah. they, they can sign the, the paper, allow a 16 or 17-year-old to get married. Should we eliminate that? Should we get rid of that? You know, I'm not a, I'm not a legal expert. You know, there could be nuances to the law that I'm obviously not aware of, and I, I don't want to comment on whether it should exist or not exist. But I certainly do believe that, you know, getting married at 16 or 17, I, you know, I just don't understand how that could be right. I mean, it could be... Uh, like if if two kids independently want to get married and you know they say to their parents we want to get married and we want your consent mm-hmm. then again there's an maybe there's an argument there but uh but if parents think it's okay and they do that to their kids i i absolutely disagree with that because i don't think any 16 17 18 year old even uh, especially below 18 is you know should actually be even it, it is not even mature enough to make that decision for themselves you know they're a child so, uh, uh, like I said, no one put a gun to my head, but um, I was manipulated and, and coerced into it. And it, you know, I'm very grateful and thankful that I got out of it and 
achieve the success that I've had. But there are so many women who are not able to do that and who are not able to get out of it. And and it's it's unfortunate um, that they have to be put into those situations based on the cultural norms and, and practices. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, as you say, much more at your website. People can contact you via the website as well. It's samrazafar.com. Samra, thank you so much for joining us here. All the best with everything you're doing and uh, much appreciated once again. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Take care. Well, there you go. That is uh, activist, uh, speaker, author, Samra Zafar. That's S-A-M-R-A. Samra Zafar, Z-A-F-A-R. So samrazafar.com. You can read more about the work she's doing there. Our number here, 403-974-TALK, 974-8255. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.